Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it is always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. I'm Josh Givens here, along with my dad, Stan, as always. Hello. Dad, today we're going to talk about what it means to be a strong church, right? That's true. And this is a series that you preached here at Northside, and... I'm going to go ahead and say this whole series on First Timothy is available on our church website. If you guys want to go there and check it out, go back through the archives, which you can find at Northside Mobile. Very long. Yeah, it is very long. It's, it, an, it's an exegesis of First Timothy. Right. So so if you're if you're one of those people that likes to listen to a series and, and you're just like, man, he, you know, we're going to be in this series line for line like, by line, verse know, by verse. 12 years. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's on our church website at northsidemobile.org. And if you go to the little drop down tab, you can actually scroll alphabetically through our series titles. You can find it in the S's because it'll say strong church. Right. Um, or you can just hit the back button a hundred times until you get there. Uh, 100, uh, so, uh, exactly a hundred? Yeah, exactly a hundred. Okay. I, I counted before, before <laughs> right. we went on the podcast. I thought that's what you were doing over there. Yeah, that's that's what took so long. Yeah. Well, the backstory to that, just so. Uh, let me ask you, what actually inspired you to even preach this series yeah you were going to ask me my own question the question i was going to answer before you yeah, asked before you interrupt because we think alike that's right which is terrifying <laughs> but the backstory to all that is uh our church in my opinion and our elders had agreed several years ago uh, we seem to be fitting in the mold of the ephesus church out of revelation that had lost its first love and speaking of terrifying yes and and there just didn't seem to be a passion um there's a great sermon um, by G. Campbell Morgan about that. It's based on the passage of uh, Luke 24, 32, where um, Jesus act, or the, the two men on the Emmaus Road said, didn't our hearts burn within us? And Morgan talks about in his day, many years ago, that the church had lost its passion. Not that it didn't have faith. Right that it didn't have the passion of hope and expectation and joy of salvation was not there. Mm. And I felt like our church, I couldn't ex have expressed it as well as he does in that sermon, but I, I felt like the church was really struggling. Our per, our local church was really struggling with the passion of, you know, loving the lost, remembering their own brokenness, loving their own salvation to the point of I'll do anything to right. honor and live for this God. And it had gotten a little mundane and routine mm. in a very unhealthy way. So all I could think of, you know, having a lot of prayer time, I say when all I could think of, but in a lot of prayer time, the Lord 
really led us to go back and review the instructions to the church at Ephesus, which would be the way to deter ourselves from that. So, right. so we just studied First Timothy, which who was the pastor of Ephesus at the time, and Paul's letter to him to say, "Here's some things you probably ought to be paying attention to." Um, and and I think it I think it helped our church, and I know God did a huge work around all that in oh, our absolutely. church anyway. Absolutely. But I do think these points are very valid, and I think any church of any size, especially a smaller church that's trying to figure out, you know, where to land, what to do, this is going back to the drawing board of basics and saying, what are the fundamental elements of a healthy church? What's a strong church supposed to look like? Because Paul's writing a letter to Timothy saying this is, Paul's in jail, but he's writing a letter to Timothy saying this is what a strong church should look like. Make sure you're doing these things. So it's a very good review um, even if you just highlight it. And of course we were at Albany just a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. Um, visiting a church there that we support. And, and I taught the whole sermon, the whole book in one lesson, which really annoyed my church family when they learned <laughs> that, that was amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> we didn't have to take nine months. You could have just done it in one could Sunday. Have just done it in one Sunday. Well, what's, what's the actual, what, what's the big picture of the book? If you're just going to kind of give us a broad overview before we dive into your specific points, what, what's the actual Big picture. It's really Paul saying how these are these are healthy church activities, healthy church models, healthy church structures. Kind of a blueprint. It's the the strategic for a healthy church. Okay. Um. So you've got six six points based on the six chapters, really. Right, based from Mm -hmm. the six chapters, and they're kind of you say gleanings from First Timothy, from the the letter to the the church there at Ephesus, Mm -hmm. and your first one is. Strong churches guard the content and they spread the gospel. So let me just ask, how do we do this in a in a practical and specific way? Because when I when I hear something like that, I mean, I was a part of the series. So, but if I'm a if I'm a newer believer, if I'm new to a local church, to me that's that's a little you know I I need something tangible to grasp onto. So what does right. that actually look like? Well, Paul's actually telling Timothy in this letter to start with, kind yeah. of an interesting way to start the letter. I need you to throw those guys out there teaching bad doctrine. Right. Let's not get let's not get the gospel off its tracks. Let's not mm-hmm. get the gospel distorted. And so we're going to guard the gospel and spread it, but we're going to guard it by not letting false doctrine slip in. We're right. not going to let prosperity gospel slide in. We're not going to let materialistic gospel any any of that. And we got to get serious about that. Yeah, and and we're not going to let a watered down gospel that's you know sort of a you know, all you got to do is believe and everything's fine. You really don't have to obey Jesus ever. Um, you just have to say you know him and you're in. Well, in the judgment that Christ has at the great white throne, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Right. <laughs> so there's got to be another level of relationship oh, yeah. required in that. Now, I'm not one that tries to put a whole bunch of things onto that, but I do believe you got to guard that the true gospel and be crystal clear. Paul talks about it, and he actually says you need to fight the good fight of faith. Mm. You know, Timothy, stand up for what's right. And we've had to do that here in our church over the years. We've had, oh, to, yeah. I've had a couple of people volunteer to teach Sunday school and the stuff they want to teach. I, I was like, that's not healthy stuff. That's not accurate doctrine. It's very popular. Right. Um, you know, the guy that's teaching what your do- guy on TV is doing a great job with it. And, Apparently making a lot of money trying to buy an airplane, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, not popular. Yeah. So, or it is popular, but it's not healthy. Yeah. So, um, so you have to guard the gospel. You have to, you have to be willing to look at some people at your church and say, Hey, the doctrine that you're believing in that's not healthy. It's not right. Mm. That's really good. So, and then you spread the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You had, you have to spread it. And if, and if you're not 
if you're not doing that, if you're not actually spreading the gospel and sharing the gospel, uh, and you, you made this point very well in the series and it was something that had to be driven home. You're, if you're not spreading it, then you're not guarding the treasure. You, 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 you do that by giving it away. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way the apostles kept the gospel from being captured by Rome or by the Jews. Exactly. The devout Jews in Rome wanted to shut that whole program down. Hey, we got to get that. We got to get people to stop talking about that. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to persecute you. We're going to feed you the lines. We're going to threaten you. We're going to run all of you into caves and make you hide in the woods and, you know, we're actually going to kill you if you start keep saying that, and we're going to tell you we're going to kill you. So the best way to guard the gospel is just keep talking about it. <laughs> yeah, the more you talk about it, they can't. You know, it's one of those you can't kill everybody. Yep. Kill me, but you can't kill the twelve people I told. Exactly. You know, and if you start killing them, they're going to tell twelve more people, and exactly. they're going to tell twelve more. It's really how the gospel got to, you know, our church today. That's how the church was born. <laughs> yeah, whatever church you're sitting in today, it got here because some guys said, "Hey, we're just going to keep guarding it by sharing it. We're exactly. not going to. It's not lock it up, guarded. It, it's tell everybody. Yeah, it's not a secret. And so, if a church isn't doing that, to me, if a church is not sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. they're not protecting the gospel. Now, they're right. literally going to let the gospel get put out in their community, shut down, mm-hmm. and it makes a church very, very, very weak. Very weak. Yeah, exactly. All right, so coming into point number two, strong churches have men who pray passionately for the lost. And this is something that we've really started to emphasize here at our church uh, at Northside, especially on Wednesday nights for our purpose. And and seeing fruit. Right, and seeing a lot of fruit from that. So why the emphasis on prayer? And to give a little bit of your back history, that just so people know by way of what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. In the second chapter, Paul, Paul tells Timothy, I urge you all to have entreaties and prayers and petitions by the time he gets and thanksgiving made on behalf of all men. So we're supposed to pray for all men. Then verse 80 says, I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And he's very clear in his first eight verses, the men of the church need to be the prayer warriors. What's typical in most Southern churches is the women are the prayer warriors and the men stand around and gab. Right. (laughs) It's kind of weird. But we've just decided we're going to put our men to task on that and create a prayer a prayer system where the men are praying. It actually says lifting of holy hands. And you know, several times on Wednesday nights now, I've actually encouraged the men during prayer time, let's let's obey that simple command of raising our hands. If it feels weird, do not raise it all the way. Right. If you didn't wear deodorant, that's fine. Do the, <laughs> do the you know, just palms up at your hips kind exactly. of thing. But do something that says you're trying to obey the the very simple scripture and the prayer is for the lost. That's the other thing that you we've had to emphasize. And I have messed up for years at prayer meetings. Um, I really regret um, in ministry for years making prayer meeting about sick people, not spiritually sick people. Right. Physically sick people. Yeah. yeah. Physically sick people. Yeah. We need to pray for as well, but we need to pray for them because if they die, yep. they're they're actually spiritually sick and they could go to hell. Exactly. So so we flipped our whole prayer service yep. kind of upside down. Yep. We call it right now we just flip, to flip keep the keep their minds well. in the right place. We change change the priority. We pray very passionately and very hard for the lost, and then we take a minute or two at the end to pray for anybody that wants to pray for a, a person that's got you know cancer or heart attack or whatever. And it's not that we don't care about those people. It's that if if they're lost, we're going to pray for their soul anyway. Right. Exactly. And one of the ways that you can see that in a very vivid picture is when in Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, when they lower the you know quadriplegic guy down to Jesus through the roof, 
Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Yeah, this is the first thing he does. Yeah, he doesn't He doesn't actually say you're healed, which right. is, I'm sure the guys would lower him down to get him healed. Well, yeah, so, that's the whole point. Yeah, so the guys on the roof are probably whispering to each other, what do he say, what do he say? Is he moving? Can he move? Yep. They're like, no, he's just laying there, but everybody seems happy. He went to all this work to get him up here, to cut yeah. the hole in the roof. <laughs> but, but Jesus knows the most important healing this man needs is soul cleansing. Yeah, and he's the only one that can do that. Right. So as a church, we really need to get our church centered around the, that cause because it is the cause of Christ himself coming to earth. And and I think that's really, really, really important. Uh, I, I agree. You have to have men passionately praying for the lost. And I don't think there's enough churches out there, you know, that, I mean, you can just look at the local church in general. I don't think there's there's enough of that happening. Right. So um, it's it's a good thing to be reminded of for sure. Well, and another simple example is, I, you know, for years I've had the elders praying in the office with me. Right before service. But what we pray for was a little bit on the selfish side. We pray for, you know, the service to go well, me to preach well, how all the guys always pray that I'll, you know, preach well and everything go well. But about a year and a half, two years ago, I started realizing, and I wrote it on, I actually put it on a note on the back of my door. So when we close the door for prayer, I'm looking right at that note while we're standing in my office praying. You have not because you ask not. And I'm like, I need to ask the Lord to send us some lost people because I'm really tired of preaching to not lost people. Exactly. And preaching to this, maybe we've lost our first love crowd. And so for about a year and a half in our morning prayer service with the elders and, and a couple of the staff that come in or a couple of guys we pull in, I've been very specific to pray for, Lord, send us some more families that we can minister to and that will minister with us. Mm-hmm. Send us more families that we minister to. And that's just a men's prayer time. It's, there's, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with women's prayer time. My right. wife leads a women's prayer, led a women's prayer time here for a long time before COVID. Um, led a strong women's prayer time. And I think there's great power in a woman's prayer, great power in a mother's prayer for her son. I have a brother that's saved because of all that. So right. not putting that down, but I'm saying this text says the healthy church has men Praying passionately for lost people it means right. the men care about the lost. Well, and and we've seen actual fruit come from that. So. Uh, yeah, it's powerful. Tons what's of happened fruit. here. It's, so, not, it's yeah. not like it's something that we're just happening and kind of right. You know, we're, ju- we're just hoping it actually happens. We've actually seen fruit from it. So we're our church is a living example that it's actually worked. So and then point number three is strong churches have leadership. Speaking of men who pray leadership, pursuing godly lifestyle. So how do you kind of mold and shape and choose your leaders in this capacity? Well, that's this is the whole passage where it says if you're a, a bishop, overseer, yep. pastor, mm-hmm. deacon, mm-hmm. elder, elder, you're you're going to have these qualifications, and it's this whole list of right. of character qualities above reproach, good reputation, know, good reputation, good marriage, hospitable, peaceable, gentle, humble, all that good stuff, and and that's the people who are going to carry the truth into the community and disciple others as leaders need to have that higher standard. So they're pulling everybody toward that standard. If I'm discipling men under me and I exactly. have these standards, I'm pulling them toward those standards. Rather and than pulling them down, right, which happens right. at some churches, it does, un- unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it does. Right. <clears throat> so it, it, it's really saying the leadership of the church needs to have a, a strong and godly lifestyle. And I'll just pause right there to say to you, because you're going to ask me a practical question, man, that I'm probably going to foresee um if if you're a pastor listening to this this is your you have to work at this you have to work very hard at this for god to be able to use you and most of us get that and it's almost like a 
you know, weight that yep. you carry with you. Yep. But I will say to the pastors that are asking your church members to listen to these podcasts and church members that maybe listen, lay leaders, you have a responsibility to help your pastor That's right. be this guy. That's right. And what that means is you're on his side. You're you're asking him how he's doing. You're watching to see if he's working too many hours. If he's mm-hmm. a church pastor of a small church, he's working probably one to two to three jobs. His wife may have two jobs to keep the income because the church is not able to financially care for him, which is fine. God's got all that as long as you're he's got accountability and you're watching him. That's right. And you're going to check on his car. You're going to check on his tires. You're going to check on his children. A good church family takes that passage that says, hey, my pastor has good character quality, yeah. and I'm going to take good care and of him. And if he is working multiple jobs, you check on his um, you check on his emotional, mental, and physical health as well. You make sure that right. he's, he's doing okay and hanging in there and not exhausting himself. And he, he knows— all of that. Yeah. But and when we get to I'm, chapter... I'm just saying that as a PK. I'm just... I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Just, throwing, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. For Hypothetically all the, speaking. For all the PKs out there. Yeah. Um, and chapter five is going to bring that back around, so we'll touch on that in a minute. But yeah, go ahead. It will. And point number uh, four here, strong churches discern cultural stumbling blocks and stay strong in the word, obviously. What what are some of those? Oh, here's the here's the chapter blocks. four passage. That's, yeah, this is the fun part. <laughs> that's really interesting because it says in latter days, we're in the last days. In the last days, well, people back then thought they were in the last. Well, days. they were. That, yeah. The whole point of the scriptures is the last days. Anything after Jesus left, latter times, some are going to fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, uh, and pointing these out. You'll be a good servant of Christ. And then he tells them in verse in chapter four, verse seven, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So and give attention to the public reading of scriptures, prescribe and teach these things, take great pains, be absorbed in them. Yep. So really the whole point is we have to discern our culture and know know that there's a falling away, mm-hmm. there's deceitful spirits, deceitful doctrines. You know, we, we have somebody we know we were close to recently that got caught up in a deceitful doctrine is literally in prison for the rest of his life for murdering somebody. Oh, yeah. yep. But his faith, the the line of faith he chose was false doctrine. That's right. And that led him to a miserable, depressed state it did. Uh, that put him in a no-hope situation yep. um, where he, he did some really foolish things, sinful, evil things. But we have to be men and women who read and study the Word and know how to apply it to ourselves. Exactly. That's the whole point of this. And say the Word of God is relevant into this culture. Which which is important. And I'll pause here and say that if for any of you that have listened to this who peruse our uh, 614 website on a regular basis, one of the things that we have on there, and, and you you specifically wanted this point, and, and it's pro- it was probably drawn for this or you were probably thinking of it at the time, is that one of the things we help churches do is remain culturally relevant. If you're Correct. a church that's struggling with that and and don't know how to transition into that or what that even means, or you know, you know, we're trying we're trying to be culturally relevant, but we just don't feel like something's connecting with the people that are coming. Um, you reach out to us, and and we can help with that. Correct. Correct. Because good. Because as you as you said, the word of God is is relevant. Yeah, and and the church has to be. Culturally relevant and doctrinally pure. Exactly. Which Paul's point is all through this book about that. Right. And then point number five, strong churches function as a loving family, staying together, caring for the needy of the community, and caring for the minister. So what does that look like? And are there some 
practical ways that churches can do this right now, like even with COVID still going on in, the, in your community? Well, sure. Your, your younger men are to appeal to their to the older men in the church as fathers, younger men as brothers. The older men are to treat the younger men of the church like their sons. And same with the women. Women, older women treat their the women as daughters. The the younger women treat their the women in the church as their mothers. It's all a family environment. It's saying let's let's treat each other as family. Let's right. care for one another like a really strong, healthy family. We're going to look after each other's needs. We're going to take care of each other. And you know, I'm your big brother. I'll help you. You exactly. know, or hey, I need to go to my. I'm the little brother. I need to go to my big brother and get exactly. some get some coverage or some help or some protection, prayer protection or whatever. Yep. And and we need to. And then it goes on to talk about honoring the widow. So mm-hmm. again, it's saying we're supposed to care for one another like family. Yep. Um, and fill with that. And then by the time you get to the end, you get to that passage where it says you need to give double honor to your pastor, to your elder. Right. The guy that's preaching and teaching the gospel to you and working himself crazy to do that. If he's doing a good job, he really deserves to be honored yep. again. So it's a care situation. Care well for him. Look after his car needs. Look after his house needs. If his air conditioner breaks down, church needs to raise the money and help him get that air conditioner exactly. fixed. It doesn't need to be, you know, some massive burden on him to fix the stuff at his house. Yep. It really is the church's responsibility yep. to do that. Exactly. And you also have a point here about the community, which is something else, especially right now. I mean, coming out of COVID, there are a lot of people in the community with needs, um, you know, that might be right there around your local church. So tons of ways that you can help with that. Yeah. And if your church is behaving well as a family, when you reach out to the community, you're just inviting them into the family saying, man, exactly. we'd love, love to have you over for dinner. Come on. And you never know where that might lead and connections can form. And we've seen tons of fruit from that. So yes. Tons of fruit from those efforts. So. Yes. Yes. And then point number six Last one on our list here. Strong churches pursue godliness and righteousness, not wealth and notoriety. And I mean, I'm just going to ask a very like just I don't even know why I would ask this because it's so obvious. Do you see this as a common problem with some churches and pastors in our culture these days? (laughs) Yes. You think? Yes. Yes. Some pastors um, that might only be, you know, in well, it for the wealth and notoriety. Yeah, there's, ch- there's churches out there where the whole deal is let's build something big that gets a lot of attention. Yeah, it's all about them. And we feel good about that for ourselves. Now, we feel we think we're feeling spiritually good, but right, we've, right. we've deceived ourselves to think of what is spiritually good. Sure. And so, uh, you know, the, the text is real clear Very that you're clear. to keep the commandments— Without stain or reproach, 614, keep the commandments without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ instructs the rich not to be conceited and fix their hope on their uncertainty of their riches. Our country's fixing to show you how that works. (laughs) Um, Keep yourself free from sin. And in your speech and conduct, chapter 4 says, in your speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example. So the whole issue that Paul's writing, one of the main issues Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus about is you're supposed to be pursuing righteousness and godliness, not wealth, not fame, not notoriety. Don't try to be a famous little church. How about just be a righteous and pure little church and let God do the rest? Exactly. And I think when churches get focused on men of the church, get focused on prayer and discipleship, I'm going to help you be a better man. You're going to help me be a better man brother to brother, father to son kind of thing, mentoring and all that going on. And the godly men are doing the leadership role. Now your church has a chance to be exactly that. We're not trying to be anything but what God wants us to be. And that's very humble, very beautiful servants into a community 
that take no credit for anything, give all the credit back to God. Give all, all the fame, credit, glory, and honor back to God. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. And a good concluding point here, strong churches are disciplined, well-taught, and they actively minister and model godliness into the community. They live their faith out loud, which we have that Faith Out Loud series that we, we did, too, from Thessalonians. Right. So, um, and, and a, a good note, you know, just to close close us out here, it's not the job of, and maybe I'm saying this again as the PK, but it's in your notes anyway. So it's not the job of the pastor to motivate you to do good works. He can equip, right. but he's not the motivator. That's well, and, and it's sad because most of the time we get stuck in that mindset that we're supposed to motivate you. Yeah. And it's really the call of the Holy Spirit. Right. And your love for Jesus' death on the cross. Exactly. That exactly. Mo- is supposed to be motivating you. So maybe the best thing for us to do is to remind you yep. of what Christ did for you yep. and how far he's bringing you and how broken you really are. Exactly. And again, our, our churches, I think, lose that sense of brokenness. They, I, I know my church got away from it for a long time. And it's scary how easy it is to slip away from yeah, it. Yeah, we really did not is. recognize how dangerously broken and badly broken we are as individuals. Uh, you know, everybody I know exactly. is a spiritual paraplegic. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Exactly. Nothing. Quadriplegic. So, but... Um, you know, a healthy church works, understands your brokenness and then lives out their faith in activities right. into the community, as we've talked about numerous times. Exactly. So amazing picture. Just, just an overview from Timothy. Great overview. Of a and it's church. good for you to take your church. If you just sat down with your elders and go, oh, let's, yeah. let's talk about chapter one for a minute. Where are we? What do we need to do? Let's yep. talk about chapter two. Exactly. Read Somebody read me chapter two. How are we doing on that? Exactly. You know, a whole section in there about women and where their role is and how they fit in. Be careful how you interpret all that. Right, Definitely right. be careful how you preach that. And I'll drop the uh, the link to the First Timothy show notes and all that. I'll, dro- I'll drop all those links into the show notes for you guys. So. All right. Might even could link them to the one, one-off one deal that we did in, yeah, yeah. in Albany. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do so, that for sure. You get the whole thing in one lesson? Yeah, all in one lesson. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for tuning in today, guys. That's going to do it for us. I'm Josh. That's Stan. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614 Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Thanks for listening.